Hey everyone, welcome to the Grabs Podcast, where we bring the stories of real-life rescues to you firsthand from those involved. I'm your host today, Grant Schwalbe, and with me I got Seth Major from West Metro Fire in Colorado. What's going on, Seth? What's up, brother? How are you? Good. Uh, this is a special one for uh, me to record because we, uh, uh, we're good friends. We get to teach together at FDIC, and I've heard the story before. Uh, it's taken me a while to nail this one down to record with you, but I'm pleased we're finally going to do it today. Um, so can you start out by talking about uh, your department and your experience and, and give us kind of a little background on your search culture there? Yeah, yeah. so I work for West Metro Fire. So uh, <clears throat> we're 17th Station Department. Um, about 108 square miles. Um, we have uh, around 300,000 residents. Um, we're in Lakewood, mostly Lakewood, Colorado, but just basically West Denver. Um, so we're a suburb of Denver. We're right next door to Denver Fire. Um, me, I'm, I'm in my 15th year in the fire service. Um, started in 2007 as a volunteer. Um, currently, I'm a lieutenant. I work on Engine 3, a uh, pretty busy engine. So shout out to the boys at 3s. Um, but I have a good both truck and engines experience in my career. Um, don't tell everybody Basil, but I have worked on a truck before, but I, uh, a little bit of engine and truck experience throughout my career. Um, so, uh, search culture at West Metro is, it's pretty, it's pretty good. I'd say I, I, West Metro is a very, very professional organization. Um, and the, the search culture, um, the search priority in our, our house fires is always in the top three priorities for when the initial officer gets on scene. So, um, it's kind of officer discretion of how that, how that order goes, be a fire attack or, um, you know, assigning search or a secondary line or whatever that, whatever that looks like, but it's typically in the top three priorities once we get on scene. So search culture is pretty good. What do you guys get on a regular alarm for a house fire? So on house fire, we get four engines, uh, two trucks, two medics two chiefs, a SAM officer, which is a safety and medical officer for us, and an investigator. And then that's our uh, standard first. You talked a little bit about incident priorities. Is that dictated by incident commander, standard operating procedures, or, or how do you do that? Uh, it's a little bit of both. So we do have uh, SOPs that guide us how they want it done. Um, typically, it's officer that first in officer who's the initial IC. He'll he'll decide what he wants done. So, me as a lieutenant, uh, search is typically my number two priority, right behind fire attack, being on an engine company. And we uh, our our medics, which is kind of cool in our in our organization, our medics are suppression medics. So, um, we can assign them any fire ground tasks. So we have two of them on an ambulance that we can actually send in early on to search, which is, which is kind of a cool thing for us. Um, and then who's typically doing the searches? You, you kind of mentioned medics. Is it whatever unit shows up and assigned? So it's not a truck truck specific. Correct. Correct. So our, our organization. So typically um, with the exception of one, all of our truck company or our truck company houses are housed with an engine. So it's a dual company house. Um, and how it works in our in our organization is everybody does every position with those. So everybody's trained up to work on the engine as well as the tower. So in my opinion, that makes for better all-around firefighters as opposed to somebody who's just like married to a, a truck their whole career or you know, married to an engine their whole career. We get kind of a wide variety of our experience levels and training because of the way guys get roved around and rotate through uh, seat positions on rigs. So, so to answer your question, we... Um, it really, it's officer discretion, kind of who's there. It's not, it's not always like just a dedicated truck, truck task, if that makes sense. 
Yeah. So um, also let's, let's jump into how you guys are doing your searches within your department. Is it uh, off a hose line oriented split VES or a combination combination of those? All of them. It's a combination of all of those. So uh, we use the term targeted search. So like in this specific call, we're going to talk about it was a targeted search. So we'll go directly where we think a victim might be and work our way back or typically go directly to, you know, nearest to the fire or most, most threatened at the time and work our way back. But um, our truck companies will do a split search. So they'll split off. Um, and that's kind of crew dependent how they do it. Some of the crews will split, you know, officer and fireman, engineer and fireman. We'll split and search. Um, the crew I was with on Tower 8 at the time, they actually split front to back because they're very, very senior guys. So it's the officer and the engineer will, will break off and, and complete a task, and the two fire in the back will do another task line. All right. Why don't you uh, take us back to this call? We'll jump into it. Okay. So uh, this call was a while ago, it was uh, September 9th, 2016. Um, I was riding backwards on Tower 8. Um, call came in about 12.30, so we get bang out to a confirmed residential structure fire uh, with parties trapped. So ball and route, we get via the notes of the CAD um, and on the MDT that it's a five-year-old girl trapped trapped in the house fire. Um, so in route, our, the officer was a guy named uh, Lieutenant Richie Kleins, a a real badass officer. He, he's talking to us in the back tone. It's like, Hey, I'm going to probably break you guys off to search right away. So we kind of had a plan in route, um, which was good, which was great. Um, so our engine 10 gets on scene. Uh, when they arrived on scene, um, they had a working fire. So a split level two story residential house with a ripping fire on the, the backside. So we call it the Charlie side. Um, the officer who got there on scene, he's doing his size up, and as he's doing his size up, the mo the mother of the daughter essentially is pulling him out of the rig to tell him where his daughter's at. So um, he gives, does a good size up. Uh, his initial plan was he pulled a two and a half line to the back side of the house in efforts to try to take the fire away from from the, the trapped girl, which in in the end, in my opinion, is really what saved her life. So they decided to, instead of go directly to search, they went to the backside and started putting fire out. Um, as we roll up on scene, it was it was a good working fire. Um, one thing kind of sticks in my mind is we rolled up. I remember, so the dad of the daughter was was trying to get into the house to get to her. So it was a the family was a, a married couple, uh, husband wife, and then they had two two kids. So. Um, Three of the four were out. The little girl was five at the time. She was still upstairs. And dad was trying to get to her, couldn't do it. So when we pulled up on scene, like forever burned in my mind, it's him laying in the yard, vomiting soot. Um, so we get there. Uh, um, while en route, knowing we were going to go in and search, my partner Dave, who's a very senior senior fireman, he's twenty had 20 years on at the time. En uh, route, I mean, he, he was masked up, bottles on, geared up. I mean, everything was, was good to go. Um, so we get on scene, uh, you know, air, essentially air brake pops and we're off and we knew where we were going. So we got reports from command in route that she was on the second floor, Bravo Charlie corner bedroom. So we go in, uh, Dave goes directly in the house. He had a tick with him. Um, I was behind him. I grabbed a set of irons and I was right behind him. So uh, we made it in the house. It's a split level. And, I remember going in, shutting that door behind me, that front door behind me, and we could hear the little girl crying, basically crying and screaming. So um, 
Dave had made made the stairs, gets to the top of the stairs, um, and it was it was hot. So at, at that time, with the fire uh, here here in the Denver area, a lot of the houses have slider patio doors in the back. And when we made it in the house, the slider had failed, and the kitchen window had failed from the backside. So it was it was extremely extremely hot when we made it into the house. Pushed us to the floor. Um, so Dave makes it upstairs. Uh, I'm right behind him. He gets into the room, and his tick had widened out due to heat. Um, but we could still hear the little girl crying. So what she had done was in her uh, bedroom closet, she had like a little cubby where she had like blankets and books and stuffed animals. And she was hiding in there with the closet door shut. So initially going in, we had no idea where she was, zero visibility, but I could hear Dave talking to her. So Dave's telling her like, you know, sweetheart, you need to come to me. You need to come to me. And she, uh, I vividly remember him saying, you see my flashlight, you need to come to me. And she said, I can't, I'm too scared. Um, so he, he, uh, talks her out of the closet, so to speak, um, gets his hands on her. And I, I was just, uh, posted at the door, just holding my position. Um, the, the real lesson learned from this was Dave said, once he got his hands on her, he completely lost like any bearing of where he was situational awareness out the window. Um, I mean, he told me that after the fact, um, but so he gets his hands on her. I'm, in, I'm at the doorway with the flashlight on. I'm like, right here, man. We start working our way out. Um, at that time, engine 10 had put a, put a big body of fire out on the back. So going in, we had zero visibility, high heat. On the way out, you could see the stairs. Smoke was lifting. Um, little girl was still crying um, and conscious. And anybody who's been on a house fire knows radio traffic is chaotic. And so um, all I could get out over the air was victims coming out the front door. That was all I was able to say. And I was holding my button down, you know, waiting in line to get some radio traffic out. Uh, made it out the front door, handed her to our medic unit that was standing by right there. Um, they took her. Um, another big win for us was our, our, our SAM officer cyano kit, like built and ready to go. So they put her in the bus. They administered the cyano kit. Um, they intubated her kind of right at the right at the last minute um, and got her transported. And she's still alive today, which is which is really really cool and a big win for us. Um, it's pretty cool to be part of it. What's kind of interesting to me about the call was I, I didn't grow up in the West Metro culture. I worked for uh, Wheat Ridge Fire Department and we got merged into that department uh, April of that year. So I hadn't trained much with these guys um, and, we, and we, didn't, we didn't have a whole lot of conversations of what this is going to look like when we get in. And, you know, if we do a search, are we going to split? Or what's that look like? It just sort of like fell into place. Um, and I attribute a lot of that to like just super professional crews and guys that train and are, are really dialed in and into the job and it worked it, it just worked like clockwork um i was talking to dave the other day about it and he, he said it was it was impressive how it worked almost like a training scenario right so we just kind of got in got her got out and she's still alive today what uh what do you think time time was from arrival for you guys to victim being out uh so it was about 90 seconds is what i've heard um it felt like 15 minutes, to be honest. It was kind of interesting how that, that time slows down, but 90 seconds total, us on scene to her getting handed off to the medics. That's pretty awesome. Uh, so many takeaways on this. Uh, when we've gotten to teach together, um, I've heard you kind of use this as an example of something. So can you kind of point out uh, what you learned out of this call that you like to, to relay to, to people that are, that are you know, learning search or... Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, 
Um, I think that a lot, I mean, the, the biggest takeaway was just the, what one, the, the skill of the guys, like you have to be hungry for the job. You have to be training a lot, you know, you know, be into the jobs, especially for new people. And I, and I tell our recruits that when I'm teaching them, but it, it really showed here. Right. So it's guys who have been, you know, David said he's been training for that call for 20 years. And I, I think that's super, super, super cool, but really just into the job guys that are wanting to do right and, and do well. Um, that I think that discipline and calmness was, was great inside. Um, the, the biggest way I've actually gotten into some arguments about with, I say arguments, but friendly debates with, with buddies around. So I know there's a big, uh, big, uh, you know, argument in the fire service of doing the, a transitional attack or what we, at West Metro, we call it an exterior offensive attack. So, um, so I have firsthand experience saying like that, that initial engine getting on the scene and putting water on that fire on the, from the outside on the Charlie side with the slider failing and everything absolutely saved that little girl's life. Cause conditions going in when we first got in were um, borderline unattainable uh, because she was upstairs with the door shut um, is probably what, what helped and save her. Um, but that, those guys putting that, that fire out on the backside initially really, really helped. So well, I love how you guys, you know, you know, reported people trapped and sometimes people are going to lose their mind uh, when they're on those calls, but taking the intel when you arrived on scene from uh, the mother saying exactly where the victim was to the IC relaying that to you guys just going up and hitting that targeted search and not uh, jerking around with, with starting right at the front door and doing a right hand or left hand search. Uh, mm-hmm. Great discipline there. Uh, I imagine that it had to amp up the scenario quite a bit when you can hear scry- crying and screaming. Um, mm. um, we talk about the fire service moments and those terrible could burn in your mind. Like for me, this is a good one. It's burning in my mind. So, yeah. But yeah, that, that like going in and I'll never forget the sound of her crying and screaming as we're going in and hearing, hearing her, you know, just the sheer terror of a, a five-year-old girl. And at the time, my daughter was five years old. They're the exact same age. So um, hit a little close to home. Yeah. And what heads up move by Dave to um, try to talk to her when she's in the closet? You know, it's hard enough to find the victim in a, in a house fire, let alone a child uh, that's trying to hide. And we know like closets can be difficult. We did a podcast early on about uh, a kid that was actually hiding in a toy box, uh, which is nuts. But to, to talk to her and, and try to get her to come out. Um, I like to teach a lot of oriented search and, and from an officer's position, I feel like that's my job to know uh, where we're at and how we're going to leave. And and you mentioned that, uh, that it was a little bit of brain freeze uh, for your partner at the moment when he got the kid. So how important is it for both members really got to have the situational awareness? Cause in the end you ended up leading, uh, leaving your partner out. Not that he couldn't have done it, but like we need to get stuff done pretty quick. Uh, so both members having kind of a plan. Can you talk to us about your plan? And also, you know, you went, you described the condition as being pretty crappy coming in and she was behind a closed door uh, in a, in a tenable room. Uh, how'd you make that decision whether to stay just for a few minutes or what if fire track had made a difference or talk to us about that exit plan. Yeah, I mean, initially it was, you know, it wasn't thought out, right? Like we were just going, going to work. Um, I, I do remember getting up there and, you know, you know what you, 
for me, it was, it was, it was getting back to like keeping my discipline. Like I wanted to be in, I wanted to help him find her. But at the time it seemed like with zero visibility, it was high heat, just sit plopping down at that door and just keeping my awareness, you know, like it was, it, it, it's what, and talking to Dave, like I, I actually joke with a lot of people. I always say I didn't know hero stuff on that call at all. I was just there. But talking to him, he was like, no, man, like I, I got my hands on her. I was so tunnel vision that I could, it completely went out the window of how to get out. I was so focused on getting, I think that oriented search and that maintaining the discipline and the awareness to be able to like, all right, like we got her, we can hear her. She's, she's conscious, you know, um, once we get our hands on her, like we're just, I can lead us straight out. And so it, it, it worked well. Um, but I, mean, I, I stand by this day that I did not think her book. I was just there. <laughs> well, very cool. I love that story. There's also, you guys, uh, there was a video that was online on this too, right? Yeah, well, there is. It's the Vassar fire, West Metro Vassar fire. All right. We will, uh, we will include that link in, uh, to that video in the, the show notes. So if you want to check out that, yeah. uh, that interview, that's pretty good. Uh, really good story. Yeah. And they, they did a good job. So that one, one cool shot, one cool shot that I wanted to give was, so this crew that I was, that I worked with you know, on tower eight at station eight at West Metro was Brian Brush's old crew. So Brush worked with those guys for a long time. And the next set we came back for work, Brian showed up and made us cookies and made it a grab. So I thought that was, that's pretty cool. Brian was living in Oklahoma at the time. So he came all the way back to, that's a station eight to make the crew cookies because I got to grab. So shout out to Brian. That's pretty awesome. Great story. Small world, isn't it? Uh, but it, it shows that uh, <laughs> even if you're not directly involved in the, in the grab, uh, by spreading it, everybody can spread this message, whether it's sharing the stories, uh, sharing firefighter rescue survey, any of that information, because uh, if it's not you, it's going to be somebody, somebody close. And, uh, you know, Brian's doing some awesome stuff right now with, uh, with putting out all that information uh, with so many other people. So uh, thanks, Seth. Anything else you want to want to do say or before we wrap up this one up? Nope. Nope. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Sorry. It's hard to, to nail down. It's easy yeah. to tell your buddy now for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I knew I had this one in the bag in case I needed it. It's like ace in my pocket, right? <laughs> So uh, Seth's going to be joining us at FDIC this year. Um, and so uh, you know, look for, look for him to be out there and uh, he's out there doing, doing good stuff uh, all the time. So uh, Seth, we appreciate you sharing the story. Um, if anybody wants to get a hold of you for more information or uh, just anything you're doing, what's the easiest way for them to do that? Uh, Seth major one at yahoo.com. Seth major number one at yahoo.com is the best way. He's one of the last few people that are actually on yahoo.com. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm old, bro. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks, Seth. Uh, if you get a grab, alive or deceased, we want you to share that information on firefighterrescuesurvey.com. That information is for us, by us. If you want to share your story on the grabs, we desperately want to hear more stories. You can uh, give us all the details. You can remain anonymous. It uh, doesn't matter. We just like to... Uh, the more information we have, the better. And I know I get a lot of feedback from people that they love hearing these because uh, they're short. They can listen in on the way to uh, to work and then they share it with their crews. And, you know, even if you're looking for material, just run a uh, search drill. You can set up Seth's or any of these uh, scenarios and then uh, then play it for them after. See how your crews did and then they can play the play the real life thing afterwards. So. 
pretty cool, pretty cool opportunity to do that. So uh, I'm grateful that uh, Seth and everybody else is willing to share these stories. So until next time, thanks for listening.